Hey, would you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's Word, John chapter 11. We're in the middle of a series right now. Anybody know what the name of our series is? I am. am. You got it. Now, this is the fifth I am statement that Jesus makes over over the course of the Gospel of John. And, uh, and let's begin here at verse 1. Powerful account. In fact, we were singing about this earlier, and uh, I, just, I just noticed that. But look at this. Verse 1. A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed, the same Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. He's describing the people in the story, right? So, therefore, the sister sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love, Lazarus, is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he heard that he was sick. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Interesting. After this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, uh, lately the Jews sought to stone you. You want to go there again? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he will not stumble. He sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said. And after that, he said, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. They thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I'm glad for your sakes I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go. Thomas, who is called twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus came, he found he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Martha as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went and met him. Mary was sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know, whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Everybody say, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he will live. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Wow. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open the word together. Jesus, I, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it is life and it is light and it is, it is correction and challenge and inspiration. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive what your spirit desires to speak to us today. Lord, speak to our hearts and change our lives. Do all that you need to do in and through us. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. 
Wow. This is, uh, oh my goodness, this is such an awesome story. Now, uh, for those who may be joining us for the first time, we're looking here in, at this series. There were a number, there were seven statements that Jesus made over the course of the Gospel of John where he said, I am. Now, each of these statements, we've, we've made the connection and we've, we've talked about in previous weeks how one of the times that Jesus made this statement, um, he was actually in a conversation about Abraham. And he, he alluded to the fact that even when Abraham was on the earth, he was there. And these guys caught on to this and they're like, you're saying that you were there with Abraham? You're like 30 years old. How were you there 2,000 years ago when Abraham was on the earth? And Jesus, I'm paraphrasing by the way, and Jesus responds, even before Abraham was, I am. And we know he was making the claim in that moment to be God in the flesh. The very same God that had sent Moses. The very same God that had spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of these, he was saying, I am that God. And we know that they understood this because the Bible says they actually took up stones to stone him. And twice, I mean last week, I didn't even get to this part in the message, but last week, Jesus ruins Hanukkah. He shows up and he's like, everything that you guys are doing, it's about me. And they didn't even realize it. They tried to stone him to death right after that. I mean, over and over and over again. So these are powerful, powerful statements. And uh, today we're going to look at resurrection. I ought to have this lead up to Easter, but uh, praise God, the resurrection is important all time of year. Hallelujah. Resurrection, just so you know, it's not a new thing just to the ministry of Jesus. Even Old Testament prophets raise the dead. Did you know that? We see in 1 Kings 17, there was a man named Elijah, and he raised a, a widow's son from the dead. Praise God. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a Shunammite woman. Her son dies, and he's raised from the dead. I think it's interesting, by the way, Hebrews, when it's talking about the hall of faith, it's, talking, it's Hebrews 11 and 12, talking about all the greats of the faith. One of the things that they make mention of is how women had their children raised from the dead. That's the power of a praying mama right there. I'll tell you, they saw their children raised from the dead. Two accounts right there. Now this is what's it. Can I give you a bonus point here real quick? This is so cool. So Elijah, you know, was the, the spiritual father, the mentor, whatever you want to call it, to Elisha. And uh, both prophets, both powerful. Now Elijah, the Bible records 14 miracles that he performed over the course of his ministry. And if you remember, Elisha, he asked, Hey, when, when you go, I want a double portion of the anointing that is on your life. You guys remember that? I want a double portion. Now, here's what's interesting. How many miracles did Elijah perform? 14. Are you guys with me? Okay, pay attention. 14, right? Now, here's what's wild, okay? If you look, and you can do this study on your own, Elisha, over the course of his ministry, recorded 27 miracles. Okay, now who's good at math? 
We're missing one, aren't we? We are one short of double. But here is what's incredible. There was another resurrection that happened. So Elisha dies. One miracle short of the double anointing that he was supposed to operate in. But as he is laid in the grave, the Bible says that some guys came along. They took their buddy who had just died and they threw him into the grave. And what happened is as soon as this dead man touched the bones of Elisha, he actually came back to life. He was resurrected from the dead. And so it brought the count of his miracles to 28, exactly double what his father, he fulfilled that. Isn't that cool? That was a bonus point for you. But it's a, that's another resurrection. Um, in the New Testament, we see a few uh, resurrections. In Acts chapter 9, Peter prays for a woman, Tabitha, who had died. She was raised from the dead. In Acts chapter 20, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. There's a, there's a guy named Eutychus, teenager. Paul is preaching, and he's preaching for a long time. Now, Minister Rylan and I actually did some research. We looked at a bunch of different preachers and trying to figure out how long I ought to preach. Uh, I don't want to preach too long and bore people. I don't want to be too short and shortchange people, right? And so uh, I found out that I preach on an average of about right at 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Uh, I looked, Dr. Morocco preaches right at 50 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes. We saw another pastor within KC uh, on average preaches about an hour and a half. Praise God. But you know what's wild? He's anointed for it, man. His church is actually one of the largest churches in our entire, uh, in our entire network. And so uh, it's powerful. Oh, we lost our live stream, didn't we? Oh, hopefully we can still hear it. Anyway, um, so anyway, I was, so I was looking at this. Now, if you're ever feeling like Pastor Jacob is preaching too long, you just go read this story in Acts chapter 20 and, and you'll remember. Now, what was happening is they're preaching. He's preaching for hour after hour after hour. And at about three hours in, what happens is Eutychus, teenager, is sitting on the window. Now, they're three stories up, and Eutychus begins to doze off. I've seen some of you guys do this, praise God. He begins to doze off while the sermon is going on. But if you're going to fall asleep, don't sit on a windowsill three stories up. That's just a word of advice. Eutychus falls asleep and he falls from the third story. And guess what? He dies. He dies when he hits the ground. Now that'll end a service real quick, I'm telling you. So Paul and the, the believers, they actually go down, they surround him, and they pray for him. And what ends up happening is Eutychus comes back to life, resurrected from the dead. So awesome. And so guess what? They had revival service. The Bible says they actually continued to minister until the sun came up the next day. Hallelujah. If you're having a dead service... Raise the dead and it'll bring life right back in. You can go all night. Hallelujah. And so, but Jesus, he holds the highest count. So Elisha had two that he raised from the dead. Jesus uh, had many more than that. In fact, in Luke 7, he raises a man from the dead, stops the funeral. In Luke chapter, I mean, sorry, in Mark chapter 5, you'll remember Jairus came, his daughter had died, and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They go and they raise this girl from the dead. And of course, there was his own resurrection. So it's pretty awesome. He raises himself from the dead. And here's what's amazing. In Mark 27, 52, there's another resurrection. I don't know if you've ever seen this. 
But the Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil was torn, rocks were torn, and graves were torn open. Graves were open, and the Bible says that many saints rose from the dead. And that's all it says about it. I've always wanted to know more about that story right there. Like, what in the world was that? You just imagine, you just go bury Uncle Billy. And, well, this is Hebrew. Give me a good Hebrew name. You go bury Brother Joab. And, um, right, and, and, and you're home. And a month later, Uncle Joab comes knocking on the door. Hey, I'm back, right? Uh, is Joab a Hebrew name? I don't know. It just sounds like it. So he wants to talk about how he's the resurrection and the life. And so what does he do? He lets somebody die so he can raise them from the dead. Oh, oh man, he makes his own illustration. Now watch this. Here's what's interesting about this. So our story begins, and, and we read the text together. Jesus receives word that Lazarus is sick. And here's what's wild. I don't know if you caught this, but in verse 6, this is John 11. You can stay open there if you've got your Bible. In John 11, verse 6, it says that he received word and then he waited for two more days. You say, what in the world is that about? Why would Jesus wait? I'm telling you, Jesus is setting up for something very powerful here. Have you ever experienced in your life delays? You pray and God, why aren't you answering? Or why is this too slow? Or God, do you even hear me? If you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, if you prayed, I'm sure you've experienced that to one degree or another. But to quote uh, a great theologian by the name of Gandalf the Grey, he says, A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. And I believe, now that's a Lord of the Rings reference if you didn't catch it. Um, but that is a, a beautiful picture of, I think, how, how God operates in our lives. He's not early. He's not late. Certainly not. He always is right on time. And we need to maintain that confidence. I'm telling you, some of you, I'm going to help you today. Because some of you, you've been praying for something. Why hasn't my backslidden son come back to the Lord yet? Why hasn't my body been healed yet? Why, why isn't this happening? Why hasn't this been restored? Why hasn't COVID lifted? God isn't early. Nor is he late. He is always right on time. The question is, are we going to remain in this posture of faith in order to receive what the Lord has for each and every one of us? Everyone in this story, you'll see Jesus. Oh, Jesus, if only you had come earlier. If Jesus had come in their timing. I'm telling you guys, you know, we read about these moments where Jesus ministered and all kinds of sick people came and it says, and Jesus healed their sick. You ever read things like that? Just single statements, and Jesus healed their sick. If Jesus had not delayed, this story would be another one of those. And Jesus healed their sick. However, Jesus' delay allowed for the most incredible resurrection story we read outside of Jesus' resurrection. I mean, it is the most incredible story. And you're going to see God is doing this for a reason. Can, can, I, can I just burst some of your bubbles here? This is not a seeker-sensitive statement. This might hurt your feelings, so prepare yourself. It's not always about you. 
The world does not revolve around you. Lazarus is laying in bed, sick. They've sent for Jesus. And for days he's waiting. He's probably wondering, Jesus, where are you? I'm friends, you know, we're friends. Where are you, Jesus? He's delaying. But it wasn't. The delay was not about Lazarus. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, they're both, Jesus, where are you? If only you had come earlier. But the, this story wasn't even about them. Look at what Jesus says in verse 15. He says, I am glad. Talking about the fact that Lazarus died. I'm glad I was not there. That you may believe. You want to know? The story, the delay wasn't about Lazarus. It wasn't about Mary or Martha. It was actually about Jesus encouraging his disciples. I want to teach you guys to believe. Because I tell you, it wouldn't be many days. Jesus was gone. And now it would fall to guys like Peter. And it would fall to people like Paul. Now, boy, if, if they had not been taught lessons, and I tell you, Tabitha would not have been raised up. If they hadn't been taught this lesson, then Eutychus would not have a happy ending. I'm telling you. But Jesus did something. And guess what? We today get to be encouraged by the resurrection of Lazarus because Jesus delayed. The next time you find yourself, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? God, where are you? God, why are you so slow? Maybe you ought to pause and consider, Lord, are you trying to do something bigger than work in just me? Are you maybe going to do something that's going to impact people all around me? Are you going to do something in and through my life that's actually going to inspire faith in other people that don't know how to believe? God, are you doing something that's bigger than I even know? Oh, I tell you guys, we got we to gotta lean into this kind of faith in trusting the Lord. So... We look and there's all these delays and, and uh, he makes all of these I am statements. Now let me, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip this. Guys, I need to write a book on this. There's so much. Do you understand that even what Jesus did, I, I, I love the fact, I'm, I've always been one, I, I like to rock the boat, I like to, I don't know, people say, you know, in Bible school, you, you got to wear slacks. I'd wear stuff like this, black jeans. I just, I got to push the limits just a little bit. There's this, there's something inside of me. I tell you, I go crazy with this whole mask thing. My kids, they got all disrupted because I was at Costco. I was pumping gas. I'm there by myself. Nobody is 15 feet within my range. And I'm not wearing my mask. Praise God. And so here comes a guy in a vest and he's like, that's illegal. You got to wear your mask. I say, Okay. I just keep on pumping my gas. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have a mask on me. And I wasn't going to stop and go to the car. And, uh, you know, and so I just, I, I just got to push the boundaries a little bit. You understand. Jesus was always doing that. He was constantly doing that. The Jews are having some ceremony about a bread that they put in the holy place. And he's like, guys, I am the bread. 
They're celebrating some candlelight that they've got in the, around the, the, the whole temple in the treasury. And he's like, guys, I am the light. Everything he was redirecting. We even looked at last week Hanukkah. And they do this whole deal where they, where they light lights and they place the bread and then they offer a sacrifice. They were rededicating the temple. And it was, Hanukkah was a whole ceremony where they were remembering the faithfulness of God and his deliverance. But Jesus ruins Hanukkah. And he says, guys, the light. I'm the light, the bread, I'm the bread. Even the sacrifice. I was the, I am the good shepherd and I will lay down my life for the sheep. Even this right here. Oh my goodness. Can I just give you a little, a little insight into what, I get too excited. Oh man. And I start talking too fast and my wife says, I can't understand you. What happened here is, is Jesus is getting ready to dismantle a false belief system that actually existed in this time. The Sanhedrin, it was 70 ruling leaders over the Jewish church. And most of the Sanhedrin were actually what they call Sadducees. You ever heard of Sadducees? You got two guys who are constantly giving Jesus trouble. You have the Pharisees and you have the Sadducees, right? The Sadducees actually caused, we see more from the Pharisees, but these guys were just super legalistic. They just uh, they wanted to hold Jesus to a standard, and and the thing is, they they held to what they call oral traditions, and so they would they would take things that they just felt like were right, even though they weren't in Scripture, and they would say, Jesus, you're not you're not obeying this or that, and Jesus is like, what are you talking about? That's not that's not what Moses said. You guys have put yourself in his seat. You're off. Right, And so he was constantly butting heads with them. But the Sadducees, now this is what's very interesting. The Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe in heaven or hell. They didn't even believe in miracles. And so what does Jesus do? He's going to ruin their day. He starts working miracles. He starts opening blind eyes. He starts talking about angels. And, and all of these things are a disruption. Now here's the real kicker. The Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. It took you a second. But now you'll remember that about the Sadducees, won't you? And so Jesus, what he's getting ready to do is getting ready to dismantle their whole false belief system. Because what they do, you'll actually read it in the latter part. They actually call together this council. Now there's a man who's been raised from the dead who's walking around. And it completely destroys their theology. It also destroys the ground that they stand on because they're buddy-buddy with the Roman Empire. And they know that if Jesus is lifted high, he's going to start to build a new kingdom. They believe that Rome is going to topple when the Messiah begins to move in. And they're going to lose all of their influence and they're going to lose all of their money. We know it was a money issue because guess what? Remember that time when Jesus goes into the temple and he begins flipping over tables and whipping people? You know who he was whipping? You know whose tables he was flipping? That whips. That, that rhymes. He was whipping and flipping. All right. So you know who he was, he was dealing with? The Sadducees. He was destroying. These guys had so corrupted even the system of worship that people would come in and you could bring your own animals. It's like, hey, I've got a sin offering. That, that's not good enough. you got to buy ours. And they would jack the prices up on these things. It's not about receiving a tithe or an offering. It's not even about, I bought a book at a church. No, it's not dealing with any of that. These guys were lying and they were putting false standards on these people. And Jesus is like, I'm not doing that. He goes in there, starts flipping tables. Oh, it's so awesome. I want to be just like Jesus. Anyway, 
Jesus is about to blow this whole thing up. But now let me, let me give you some things that are important. Is anybody else hot? Okay, well, it's just me, I guess. Praise God. <laughs> I need to settle down, I think. So, Martha comes to Jesus. Now, this is really what I want you to, what I want you to hear this morning. Martha comes to Jesus in verse 21. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know what she had faith for? She had faith that God could have done something. She had faith that Jesus could have done something yesterday. If only you had been here before he died. She had faith for yesterday. And there's a lot of people, I think, that live in that exact same place. Oh, look at what God used to do. God used to work miracles through the apostles. He doesn't do that much today. Oh, God used to do that in, in Brownsville or Azusa or in Wales. Yeah, God used to do that over in this movement or in that movement, but He's not doing much of that today. And you'll find people that are so infatuated with the past that that's all they talk about. It's where they live. Have you ever met people like this? It's not just in the church either. Have you ever met the guy? He's like 60 years old, but he's still living in his high school glory days. You should have seen me throw that football when I was, a, oh boy, that winning game. Oh, you should have seen me there. Or that girl, oh, you don't even know. I was the best cheerleader you ever saw. I was a homecoming queen. And they're, you know, they just live in the, it's like, but what are you now? Like, what are you doing today? There's people that get so stuck in that. And, and listen, guys, I, I look, I mean, I read those old revival books. I read the testimony. I want to learn from them. What did you guys do? How did you pray? What, did, what happened that led up to that move? How did you suffer? What happened? I want to I know and I want to receive. There's value in the traditions and in history and things of the past. But I don't want to live there. I don't want to stay in that place. Mary, she, or Martha, she had this perspective. Jesus, if only you had been here yesterday, a miracle could have happened. If only you had been here earlier than, than some... Guys, we cannot live in yesterday. We cannot stay in that place. And Jesus responds to her, verse 23, He says, Your brother will rise again. Martha didn't get it yet. She says, I know that He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She had faith for yesterday. But you know what else? She had faith for tomorrow. Oh, I know one day, Jesus, yeah, everybody's going to be raised again. I know one day I'm going to meet, yeah, when we go to heaven, then I'm going to meet Lazarus again. She had faith for tomorrow. Is that where we live, guys? Do we live in, well, God, you, you used to do that kind of thing. Well, God, yeah, one day when we get to heaven, oh yeah, I'm sure you're going to do that. Guys, I, I, I want to be where God is right now. I want to see the Lord moving in the here and now. Jesus, what are you doing today? I mean, guys, I walk this property and I get excited about what God's going to do in the future. Don't get me wrong. I believe in vision. We're always casting vision. Vision is that front room. That's why I have you guys praying for it and we're looking forward to it. And I, I even sent Dr. Morocco a video this last week and he responds. He's like, you guys are going to be running 500 before you know it. You know what that is? That's vision. I stand in that room and I think about 500 worshipers. 
I go in this side room and I just think, God, one day there's going to be thousands of people that worship in this place. There's going to be thousands of people that are going to be impacted by what you're doing. And I have faith for tomorrow. But every day we show up here, I'm not just dreaming about tomorrow. I'm saying, Minister Rylin, we've got to go rent a grinder and grind some floors. We gotta go stand up some walls. We gotta paint something. We gotta do, and you know, all of that seems maybe insignificant compared to the thousands of worshipers in the great grand vision, revival, Holy Ghost. But if we're not doing something today, we will never see the vision for tomorrow. Are you hearing me? I watch Shark Tank a lot. I get inspired by those guys. I, I'd love to go on there one day. And occasionally, you'll have somebody who goes on the show prematurely. And I've heard Mark Cuban call some of those entrepreneurs, wantrepreneurs. You're a wannabe entrepreneur. These guys who, they haven't had their great idea yet. They haven't put the work in just yet. They've got some great dream. They've got a wonderful vision. But they're not there yet. Guys, I want to be in this place where it's not just, well, God, what can you do? Every day we have the opportunity. What are we working towards? Some of you have great personal visions for your family. Some of you have great personal visions for a business or a ministry. Whatever it is, we all ought to have vision and faith for tomorrow and what God could do down the road. But we also need to be considerate. God, what can I do today? Even if it just moves me one step closer. Even if it is grinding a floor. Even if it is just praying that you would break through in some area. What are we doing right now to move closer to that? Are you still with me this morning? And so we look. He says, I know, I know that he will rise again on the last day and watch what Jesus does. He says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. No, no, not one day. No, not yesterday. I am. I'm right in front of you right now. I am resurrection. I am life. And if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God. Oh my goodness, this is, this is so incredible. You guys, you know what Jesus is doing? He's bringing focus to her faith. You think, well, somewhere in the past or somewhere in the future it could happen. But he's saying, no, right now, here I am, resurrection. Oh, you guys, that changes the way that we look at things. I mean, maybe you've met somebody in a wheelchair. And you've heard them talk about, oh, I used to, before my accident, I used to run and I used to play. And, and you might hear people comfort them. Oh, yeah, one day you're going to walk on streets of gold. One day you're going to have new legs. This is a totally different thing if you bring it here and now. Let's pray today. Let's pray right now that God would bring strength into your legs, strength into your ankles. I'll tell you, now faith is a whole different level than one day faith. So a whole different level than, oh, I know God used to do that kind of thing. To believe here and now. And I just want to challenge every single one. We've all got these places in our life. What is God challenging you to believe for today? Because He is I am right now. Yeah, He's going to be faithful in the future. But I tell you, if I got pain in my body, if I got the devil hanging on my back, I'm not waiting till I die and go to heaven before that thing is dealt with. Jesus shed his blood. In Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it is here. It's now. And if he's made it available 
and I'm ignoring it, how foolish am I? I tell you guys, what are we believing for? Now, faith, I am the resurrection and the life. Man, I look at my kids, and I get on, on you know, I get on Facebook, and uh, I don't know if you've seen this. There's a section on there called Memories, and you can see what was happening, what was posted, what, what people were sharing like a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, today. It's a neat, neat kind of feature. And sometimes I get on there and I get real sad. I see my chubby little daughter, my chubby little son, and like, where? Where's my little girl? Where's my son? You know, I just, they, because they're not cute like that anymore. Now they've grown up and they've, now they have opinions and they, uh, you know, they're, they don't want to snuggle anymore and they have smells, praise God. And, and boy, if, I mean, I could live in the past. And then there's moments where I turn to Leah and we had a conversation recently like, man, you realize if, if they go straight to college after they graduate or, like, we got six more years with them. Yeah. And if I'm not careful, I could really get in this mindset. Oh, they're getting ready to leave. Well, it's almost over. And I've watched people do that. But, but I just determined, you know, I'm going to enjoy them right now. I'm going to enjoy them today. Because, you know, I, I, I love watching as my, my, my daughter is growing more creative every day. And I watch her compassion expressed. And I'm, I'm watching my son grow in brilliance and, and strength and, uh, and, and uh, the, just the love that he expresses. And if I'm worried about what they're not or what they're going to be, I'm going to miss the treasure that's right in front of me right now. Talk to a family that had come to Hawaii they visited from Texas, and, uh, and they had come, and they spent like a week, ten days in Hawaii, and uh, they didn't know it was the first long flight that he had ever been on, and he got like deathly sick. Motion sickness just could not handle being on that plane for so long. So they get here, and um, instead of enjoying their time in Hawaii, he spent the entire week dreading the flight back home. And you couldn't get him to just like, bro... You're on a beach. Dude, look at the mountain. Let's go for a hike. Come on, they're like the best food on the planet. Let's go eat somewhere, right? And, but, but instead, he spent the whole time dreading, well, I'm going to have to go and it's going to be terrible. I don't want to get on that plane. Let's not live in the past. Let's, let's remember, absolutely. Let's learn. Let's have vision for the future and an expectation of what God can do. But let's always be sure, God, what are you doing today? What are you speaking right now? What can I enjoy? Or what would I miss if I'm not focused into what you're doing, what you're saying right now? Oh my goodness, I've spent too much time on, on all of this. Yes, Lord, I believe. Verse 27, you are the Christ. You're the Son of God who has come into the world. Maybe I'll preach an hour and a half like I was talking about before. I believe you are the Christ. You're the Son of God who has come into the world. So they go to the grave. And there's mourners there. People are weeping. People are crying. Now, this is an interesting bit of history. Did you know by law, within Jewish custom, they actually had to have two flute players 
and they also had to, I got a real kick out of this. They had to have at least one professional wailing woman. That was her actual title, wailing woman. So uh, I don't know, if you're looking for a job, <laughs> wailing woman. Uh, it's very, very interesting. In fact, you'll get some perspective now. You understand when, when Jesus went, you remember when he went to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, there were all these mourners, all these wailers that were outside the building. And, uh, and as he goes, he makes mention, I'm going to raise her, I'm going to raise her from the dead. And do you remember these people who were mourning and weeping and crying immediately turn and begin laughing and mocking Jesus? And I always wondered, like, well, how does that work? How do you go from crying and weeping and mourning to immediately, like, making fun? But when you understand, they were hired. This is not genuine emotion that these guys were feeling. This was not, this was, this wasn't their family member that they were brokenhearted over their death. No, these were professional mourners. And so we know there were a lot of people who were gathered around and Jesus actually looks at this scene in verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. There's a couple theories on why Jesus wept. Maybe it was the brokenness of sin and, and death. Maybe it was the unbelief of the people that were there. But personally, what I believe, you have these professional, ingenuine mourners and I believe in that moment, Jesus was touched with true compassion. You'll see that was always a driving force in many of the miracles. He'd look on the people and he'd be moved with compassion. He would heal their sick. He would multiply food. He would feed them. It was so often. And so, but why would Jesus be moved? Because he was he was empathetic. He was compassionate. He felt the pain of the people around him. And he sensed the need there was in Lazarus. Even though he knew he was the answer, he is the resurrection, there was still emotion there. And he wept. He commanded then that they remove this uh, stone from the tomb. Boy, I'm, I'm skipping over some things, but you guys know the story. They remove the, the stone from the grave. And then he prays. And I like his prayer. Father, I thank you. You heard me. I know you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. He doesn't need to like, I don't know how you, have you ever prayed for somebody to be raised from the dead? I have once. I have, uh, we had a, I made friends with all the funeral directors in town. Some of you young people, you, you want to learn how to preach? Here's what you do. You go make friends with the funeral directors. And you just go to, I'm serious, and you go tell them, listen, you ever have somebody who dies and you don't have a preacher to do their funeral? Yeah. I'm, I'm your guy, right? And so, and that's exactly what I did. I went around to all of the funeral homes in town. And I say, you ever have somebody die? They don't have a pastor. You just call me. And you know what? I made good friends with some of those funeral directors. So what happened is one time there was a guy, don't know, I, uh, actually I did know this one, uh, but they came and they dropped off his body in our church the night before the funeral. I lived in a parsonage next door to the church. I remember we're sitting, we're eating dinner, my wife and family were all there. And I cannot stop thinking about this dead guy that's right next door. I'm like, I always wanted to pray. What if this guy gets raised from the dead? We got to go try. And you know what I did, man? I went over there. <laughs> and uh, 
You got to try. You just got to try. I mean, how are you ever going to see the dead raised if you don't pray for some dead people, right? And so uh, I, I went over there, and you know what? I, I, got, I got amped up. I mean, I'm, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in my understanding. I'm shouting. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I want this guy, if he's in shield, I want him hearing me from where I am. Like, I'm, I, I get loud. I don't go touch him. I don't do anything. You know, I'm just like, I'm getting amped up. And then I go over and I try to pray for him the same way uh, that I, I see in the Bible. You know, I shouted at it. I whispered at him. I didn't try the Elijah lay on him. I didn't try that one. That's probably, I probably would have had it if I'd tried. Um, but I, I believe for resurrections, though. I, I really do. I believe for that kind of thing. Jesus, he, he prays. And the Bible even says, you know, this is what's wild. You, you look at when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He goes in there and he whispers, Talitha Kumai. I love, you, you know what that means? It's a pet name that he uses. It's like little girl. It's like you call somebody honey or, you know, baby. You know, that's, that's what I mean by a pet name. And that's literally what he does. Little girl. Hey, sweetie. Wake up. Whispers. He's not getting himself all empty. No, he whispers. He is resurrection. He goes in. Lazarus. He prays. He's not, God, let this work. No, he's not doing any of that. He's like, I'm praying. Because this is an example to everybody who's around me right now. That's why I'm praying. Lazarus, come forth. And you know the story. Next thing you know, you see him walking out in his grave tone, grave clothes. He's bound hand and foot. He says, loose him. Let him go. Oh my goodness. What an incredible resurrection account. I tell you, I'm glad. I'm glad Jesus was operating here and now. He wasn't just, oh yeah, yeah, Elijah used to do that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, one day. No, right now, resurrection power. Church, do you have faith that God can do stuff right here, right now, today, in your life? Oh my goodness. I get too excited. Well, would you come and join me on the piano? We're going to close. I'm going, to share, I'm going to share a story with you. I believe that God raises the dead, even still today. My, my spiritual father, the man of God by the name of Steve Hill, he went to be with the Lord now a few years ago. And he was at, he was at an event, a fundraising event that uh, the late evangelist Reinhard Bonnke was putting on. And he sits down at this table, and Brother Bonke is sharing the vision for this crusade they're going to do. Most of his ministry was in Nigeria. And there's a Nigerian man who sits down next to Steve Hill. And he turns to, to Steve and he asks him a question. He says, Do you want to see my death certificate? Like, what? <laughs> what? Do you want to see my death certificate? Come to find out. This man had died. And the story goes, Reinhard Bonnke wrote a book about it. It's called Raised from the Dead. This man dies. He was embalmed. He was laid in a coffin. Two days in, his wife hears that this great evangelist is coming to their town. On the third day, she takes the coffin with her husband in it to this crusade 
They allow, now they've got a stage set up, it's right in front of a church, they allow her to put her husband in the church building up against the wall that is connected to the stage on the other side of the wall. And as the evangelist is preaching the word, this man dead, three days, begins to breathe again. He continues on with the service. They begin to see miracles and word gets to him. And they end up bringing this man out and he begins shouting, he's breathing, he's breathing, he's breathing. Now, the guy was still stiff as a board. It's the craziest thing because he'd been embalmed. He still had rigor mortis that was going through his body. And so it actually took several days, almost a week, and his body began secreting this embalming fluid uh, like he was sweating. It was disgusting, but his body literally began pushing it out over the course of the next days. I mean, it's the wildest thing. And so that guy, <laughs> as you can imagine, every opportunity he get, he would travel around with Brother Bonky. I'd imagine if I was dead and been raised, I'd, go, I'd commit my life to the ministry of the man that, that I got raised. I guess it depends on where you were, though. If you're in heaven, you get raised. I might be mad. I don't know where he was. I don't, I don't know that part of the story. I need to read the book. I just read the testimony. I've heard Brother Bonke share it. In fact, he, he was praying. That was in 2001. And he was praying at the time. People kept on telling him, you need your ministry to go to America. America needs to be saved. You need to reach out to America. And he didn't know. He wasn't really sure. He always felt called to Africa. But he prayed, God, if you want me to go to America, you need to give me a sign. Well, that night he got a sign. That was the night he saw the dead raised in his meeting. He's actually had three resurrections over the course of his ministry. And all three of those guys actually traveled around with him absolutely absolutely incredible god raises the dead no doubt about it god god raises the dead i believe it i believe it for me i believe it i mean do you believe that you're going to be raised from the dead one day and that is the hope resurrection one day you're going to be raised up to new life or the bible says you'll be raised up and you'll experience the second death are you going to experience eternal life or experience a second death? Eternal death. One more thing and we're going to pray. I didn't share this the first service. Two nights ago I had a dream. It was very, very real. Scared me. Scared me a lot. I, I had a dream that I was standing before God. And I was being judged. It was not like anything that I'd ever pictured. Now, I want you to understand, I don't, I don't base my theology on dreams or experiences. Um, what does the Bible say? That's, that's where I base. But this thing, let me just tell you what I, what I saw, what I experienced. I, I was there and I stepped in. There were, there were two lines and like two booths almost that I went and I, I stood in one. My family, my wife, my son, my daughter were off on the side. And there was a book that was laid open and began reading all the works of my life. Good and bad. The good, awesome. But when they started reading the bad, I was like, I was kind of weirded out. I'm like, I thought, I thought all that was 
washed away. I thought that was cast into a sea of forgetfulness. I thought as far as not, you know, the east is from the west, you've separated my sins from me. Why is there still a record? And it was the wildest thing as they were going through. I was acknowledging, yes, yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. And there was a point in time where, I mean, my, my wife, my kids were there. And I, they were like happy. I don't know if they'd already gone through judgment and they'd made it through and they're just waiting for me. I don't know if I was being asked these questions because I'm a preacher and I go through a stricter judgment. You know that. You know, the Bible says that. And so I'm here and I'm being asked these questions and I had this moment like of serious dread. Why is all this being read to me? Have I, have I missed? And I remember, because they were asking me to acknowledge Another sin, and I don't, I don't know, I don't remember any of the good or bad that was being listed, but I know that's what was going on. And I remember this moment before I acknowledged, yes, I've sinned in that area. I remember I looked, and at the right hand of the, the one who was reading the book was Jesus, and I knew him. And, I, and I'm like, I had this moment where I'm like, really, am I, am I needing to to confess like is this okay am I okay and I remember Jesus he looks at me he's like it's okay it's okay you're okay and just in that moment I'm like okay yeah 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 I sinned and that was it I felt this weight that was lifted I got to rejoin my family and the dream was over I imagine we probably entered through a pearly gate. I didn't see the pearly gate. It all came down to one thing. Yeah, I've sinned. And I've done good. But at the end of the day, the only thing that mattered was, do I know Jesus? Does He know me? And that was the ticket right there. I failed miserably, but I know a man. He is resurrection. He is life. And He shed His blood. But every failure, every sin, every violation that I have against God, one day, I'll be allowed to enter in as a good and faithful servant of the Lord. Would you stand to your feet? Let's close in a word of prayer. Jesus asked Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked her, do you believe this? Church, I'm going to ask you the same question. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you believe in Him, you will die. But one day, you will be raised again. Do you believe it? Do you believe the words of Jesus? When you stand before God on Judgment Day, do you know that you know Him? And does He know you? That's what it all comes down to, friend. With every head bowed, everyone praying. 
I want to lead us in a declaration of faith right now. You say, I, I know Jesus. I believe in him. But I need to make sure before I leave today that I'm right. Maybe you've never committed your life to the Lord. Today's your day. The Bible says you confess with your mouth and you believe with all your heart. Jesus died and he was raised from the dead. You will be saved. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, they asked him, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It all comes down to your faith. Do you believe who Jesus is, that he died for your sin? He rose from the dead. I want to help you make a declaration today. Come on, would you just pray this with me right out loud? Everybody pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I've sinned. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me and forgive me. Cleanse me by your blood. Wash away my sin. I give my life to you. I believe in you. You died for me. You rose from the dead. You're coming back soon. And I believe you are the I am. The resurrection and the life. One day I may die. If you don't come back for me, I may die. But I believe I will be raised up in that last day to eternal life with you. Thank you for saving me from eternal death. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. Live your life through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hey, listen. If, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe in your life, or you, you, you prayed with me and it's the first time in a long time, and you just, but what do I do now? How do I get on track? If you go right outside, we've got a little book that we would love to give you. It's a, it's a seven-day devotion. It's going to help you in your, your next few steps with the Lord. Our, our pastor's uh, wife actually wrote it. It's a great little devotion. Uh, you can go get that. It's free. We'd love to give that to you as a gift. You just go out to that table and say, hey, I'd like that devotion. And uh, let somebody know. If you're getting right with God, let somebody know. Part of being the church is that we get to be here for one another. We get to walk with one another. We get to hold one another up. And what a joy that we have to be able to do that. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, what time are we meeting next Sunday? You got it. All right. Well, listen, why don't you lift your hands? Let me speak a blessing over you right now. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously, just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. 
as you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. May they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait upon the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.